Hi there and welcome. I'm Rabbi Nahomath with the Las Vegas Kolel. During these really difficult times, I want to share with you a really inspiring story. The story is about my favorite football team, the Washington Redskins. 1987, the Redskins would win the Super Bowl and would capture my heart and the hearts of so many growing up in the D.C. area. They had some great players. Legendary quarterback Doug Williams, Timmy Smith, great receivers, the Hogs, Daryl Green, a whole list of wonderful players. But what most people forget is what happened at the beginning of that season. You see, at week three, during the third week of the NFL season, the NFLPA, the Players Association, representing the football players of the NFL, they went on strike. Now, many teams around the league anticipated that a strike would happen. And some teams, what they, what they did was, is in the summer before the, league, the season started, they anticipated that the players might go on strike. And they started looking around, scouting around for players who weren't playing in the NFL, that in case the league went on strike, they'd be able to bring them in as replacement players. And indeed, the third week of the season, that year got canceled because of the strike. But beginning in week four, the NFL brought in what would be called the scabs, replacement players who would play for three weeks during the time the regular players were all on strike. As you could well imagine, these were guys literally off the streets. These were not professional football players. These were guys who had played football in high school or maybe in some college years ago. And some of the teams had actually spent some time scouting out to try to find as good as possible replacement players. Other teams, they didn't put in their due diligence and they really, really were caught off guard during the strike. But the strike lasted for three weeks of regular season play. The Washington Redskins that year, well, they brought in replacements like other teams did as well. One player, their starting quarterback, was a guy named Tony Robinson. The Redskins general manager, Charlie Casserly, literally was able to work out a deal with the Department of Corrections of, of Tennessee to get him paroled out of prison where he was serving time for a crack violation. They were able to parole him literally out of prison so that he could play football. Joe Cowan, he was their center and long snapper. He was teaching high school. Their left guard, he was working security at a 7-Eleven. These were guys who were literally off the streets. And they played. They were really able to chase their dreams. And for three weeks, teams across the league were filled with rosters of guys who really had no NFL experience. And it's a remarkable story. After three weeks, the players' union, well, the strike broke and the players agreed to some kind of deal and the players, the regular players, resumed playing football and the Redskins would go on to that season and win the Super Bowl. And the replacements were largely forgotten. I think there was a recent Netflix documentary that talked about the, this, the scabs, these replacement players, and talked about how these players, particularly the players on the Redskins, well, they, feel, they felt really ripped off because they were part, if you really think about it, of a Super Bowl winning team. And they really felt like they were forgotten. And I think a couple of years ago, the Redskins, now the Commanders, made amends and gave them all their Super Bowl rings for their part in that successful championship season. It's a remarkable story. If you look very carefully, there's a, even a really remarkable, powerful lesson that we read. We know we, taught, we read about the story of the, of the flood, of the mabul. We read about how God, he saw mankind, he saw how corrupt they were and how evil they were and how people were stealing, how there was all sorts of corruption. And we know God brings about a flood and he wipes out humanity, hits the reset button. 
And Rashi points out that's so interesting because if you take note, the Torah tells us just a few generations later, we find the Dor HaFlaga, the generation of the story with Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Bavel. And these people were people who, they built this tower as a way of showing they rebel against God. It was their form of rebellion and rejection of God. And Rashi points out what happens to this generation? God doesn't kill them. God just disperses them across the face of the earth. And Rashi asks such an obvious question. It would seem that the generation of the tower, their sin was far more egregious. They rejected God entirely. The generation of the flood, well, they were just stealing and corruption and thievery. Doesn't the generation of the tower, their sin seems so far worse, yet their punishment is so far less. They're not destroyed. They're not wiped out. And Rashi tells us such an important lesson. He says, fundamentally, there was a major difference between the generations of the flood. You see, during the generation of the flood, they couldn't get along with one another. There was theft. There was disagreement. During that generation, a few generations later, the generation of the tower, despite the fact that, yes, their sin in a certain sense was worse, but we find they had achdos. They had unity. And Rashi tells us this demonstrates how powerful the concept of shalom, of peace, of unity is. Despite the fact that their sin was more egregious because they at least were able to work together and they were unified, God has more compassion on the generation of the tower than he does on the generation of the flood. And Rashi tells us this really highlights and demonstrates just how powerful it is and how protective of, of a force it is when we can come together and be unified. And that's a really important lesson, certainly for us nowadays, when we find ourselves facing all sorts of enemies and all sorts of problems from without. If we could be unified from within, that will serve as a pr tremendous protection. The power of unity is a very powerful force, both spiritually and physically. And it's a remarkable thing if you go back to that Redskins team, the replacement team, the third week, the last week of that strike. It's a remarkable thing. The Redskins were going to play their hated arch enemy, the Dallas Cowboys. But if you back up the story just a little bit, a really powerful lesson emerged. <clears throat> the Redskins head coach, Joe Gibbs, when he was talking to his the original players, the regular players, before they began their strike, he told them such an important thing. He told them, he said, look, you guys have to work out your labor relations. That's your problem. But I want to tell you one thing. You guys play as a team, and if you're going to strike, you better strike as a team. And he said, what I really want out of you is no one should break the, the picket lines because you guys need to stay unified. If you're going to go on strike, all of you go on strike. If any of you don't go on strike, none of you strike. It's all or nothing because Gibbs, their head coach, understood and recognized the power of unity that they as a football team needed to stick together. And it's interesting, the Redskins, from my understanding, were the only team that nobody on their team crossed the picket line. And if you fast forward to that third week of those replacement players, that final game, the Redskins were playing the Cowboys. Now, 21 players on the, on the Cowboys' regular starters, they had crossed the picket line, including six starters and two future Hall, Hall of Famers, Tony Dorsett, their quarterback. They had some real talent that had crossed the picket line. If you think about it, the Cowboys have 21 regular NFL players playing the Redskins who had none. They were, had no real professional football players. It should have been a blowout. It should have been a lopsided game. And of course, what happened, the Redskins went on to win, and they beat the Cowboys. Many will tell you it's the greatest upset, not just in football, but in professional sports history. A back of replacement players, a bunch of guys who are literally scabs, not good enough to be in the league beat a team that had 21 regular professional players. 
And Joe Gibbs would explain, he would call it his, the best game he ever coached, the proudest game he ever coached. Mind you, he coached for three Super Bowl winning teams. And he would say that game was one of the proudest moments of his professional career. And it seems to me, I think the explanation is, is the Redskins, despite the fact that those players were replacements, well, they had to stick together. They were unified. The Cowboys that game, despite the fact that half the players on their team were professionals, there was disunity. The other half of that team, bunch of replacements. They couldn't work together as a team. Again, demonstrating and highlighting just how powerful that force of unity is. It can protect the Redskins from beating the Cowboys and certainly can act as a protection for us during these really, really difficult times. It's an amazing thing. We've discussed how the Chavetz Chaim tells us that one of the greatest sources of protection against our enemies is our care and concern for one another, and particularly when it comes to making sure we don't speak negatively, we don't gossip, we don't speak lush and hara about one another. I believe the, re the lesson, the reason for that, is exactly the same idea that Rashi tells us. When we don't speak Lashon Hara, it demonstrates that we're unified. It demonstrates that I care about one another. And the Chavetz Chaim tells us when we have that care, when we have that concern, when we go ahead and make sure we're not going to speak negatively about one another, we're not going to gossip about one another, that demonstrates that we have shalom, we've got peace, we've got unity amongst ourselves. And when we are b'shalom, when we are b'achdos, when we've got internal peace, when we've got internal unity, our sages teach us, the Chavetz Chaim is highlighting, and Rashi is really pointing out the power of unity, the power of shalom is such a powerful protective force. And please God, if we focus on not speaking Lashon Hara, if we focus on getting along a little bit better with our friends, our neighbors, our next door neighbors, our colleagues, our co-workers, if we make sure to be inspired that we're not going to speak Lashon Hara, that we're going to feel unified, please God, it should be a source of merit for protection against our enemies.